Well, hello again, boys and girls, sports fans and assorted waves and strays. Guess who? It's Den here from Diginomica. And today I've got a very special guest on the show, Francine McKenna, who originally I met when she had a blog called Ray the Auditors and is now uh, working for Market Watch and has a, a news beat there. Francine has been a long-term critic of audit, audit processes, auditors, and the companies that play around in that game. We pick up the conversation at the point where we start talking about what's going on in Gap and non-Gap. Do enjoy it. It's pretty provoking. It's fast-paced, and there's going to be a lot more of this to come. <laughs> okay, um, Francine, um, what's exercising your mind at the moment, other than the usual problems of our erstwhile auditors managing to screw things up with boring regularity? Well, you know, we were talking the other day about um, this issue of what's, what's preventing companies from being able to report their year-end earnings at the same time as their audit, uh, audited financials and auditor opinions. Yeah. Remember, uh, I had written two weeks ago about this, and I was pretty shocked. And there was a lot of people that keep asking me, how is this possible that we could have you know, 70 to 80% of companies are announcing year-end earnings, uh, but their audit uh, is not done, and it's far from being done. Like, it's a month or two from being done. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they have to file the 10K uh, within 60 days, the largest companies here. Mm -hmm. And um, the question is, is if they're putting out earnings within 15 to 20 days of the year closing, yeah. that they're waiting for the last minute to file that K, and there's an enormous gap there that uh, there's some other academics that are looking at sort of the window for insider trading and, you know, just all the different dangers of this gap. And, you know, but the underlying is, issue is why is the market accepting, you know, such an enormous amount of uh, results that are unaudited because the reality is, is that, you know, when I see it now in the newsroom, nobody ever goes back to the K. And so the question is, is we went and decided to do a story, and that's, uh, they're working on it in New York, and I've been helping them. We decided to do a story on the very small number of companies who are producing the earnings and the K at the same time. Right. And those companies are uh, a very small number. But what they're doing is usually pushing up the K so that, for example, they're announcing earnings within 30 days, so like on January 31st, and they're putting out the K and they're putting out the earnings. So they're sort of compressing it. So they're basically cutting off sort of the time that other companies are taking to produce the K up to 60 days. Uh, but they're delaying the earnings a little bit. So I actually went out and, you know, interviewed a couple companies, tried to get them to tell me, so how do you do that, right? Because we were talking uh, on Twitter, I think, like, well, why can't the auditors do the audit faster? Or why are the companies, you know, pushing to put out earnings? And what does this mean in terms of real-time reporting? Because as we know, you know, these ERPs, the integrated ERPs can produce a trial balance you know, real time at any point in time. And if somebody wants to say, okay, December 31st, midnight, uh, let me see what the year end results are. They can produce a trial balance and the companies can look and say, 
oh, uh, you know, okay, that's fine. I like how that looks. Let's let's issue it. And we all know that there's a lot more work that needs to be done to wrap up, you know, the year-end results. What have, what have you so discovered so far? What have you discovered so far? Well, so the companies that have responded to me have said uh, that basically they have a very tight relationship with the auditor and they have a very tight uh, work stream between the disclosure, you know, preparing the K um, and all of the disclosures associated with filing their K uh, and the audit and the closing process. And that basically they like whittled down the closing process to the absolute minimum required things necessary, including the ear edge, uh, taking out all the, you know, uh, unnecessary things, and that they're highly dependent on an integrated ERP. Okay. And that companies that are uh, not global, so if you're global and you have stuff coming in from outside, uh, you know, your home country, that definitely makes it a lot more difficult. Let's but uh, one company, sorry, com- sorry yeah, go on. one company that I. One company that I talked to, United Rentals, which is a really big company, uh, they uh, are mostly domestic, U.S., mm-hmm. and they use uh, a, uh, a very uh, unique uh, ERP. Uh, I forgot what they called it. It's not Oracle or SAP or anything. It's something very unique to the rental industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And basically, they've got it down to a science, they said. And they've got tenured people, and they've got smooth processes, and they've basically got this, you know, well-oiled machine that puts out the results uh, with the 10K in 30 days. Okay. Right. Let's just try and pick. So, the, sorry, go on, carry on. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to. I was going to say, let's just try and pick this apart because when I talk to um, when I talk to CFOs and other leaders following. Uh, the the results announcement. The thing that's that's always at the back of my mind is, you know, to what extent are you trying to ensure that whatever Wall Street has expected is actually met or exceeded? Yeah, that's that's that seems to be the number one right. priority. It doesn't matter what, about, about anything else. So that's that's issue number one that I see. And so, but the second thing is is that tell me I'm wrong here, but it appears to me that most financial analysts have, first of all, not very much understanding of what audit's about, and even if they do, they don't really care about it because they're much more interested right. in operational metrics. So, you know, I, I go back right. to the days when Mary Meeker, um, you know, one of the great mavens from, I think it was Morgan right. Stanley, yeah, who, who, who tried to say that the most important metric that you could have in, in any reporting quarter was eyeballs on a screen. And I remember seeing that back in, when, it was, when was it, 98, 99, and thinking... How the freaking hell can you ever put that out as something that you could put a monetary value to that makes any sense whatsoever in a balance sheet? And, of course, there was never any answer, and guess what? We had the dot-com bust, yeah? Um, But it seems to me that leaders are still very much concerned and motivated by growth and growth metrics um, and being able to exceed those Wall Street analysts rather than thinking about you know, what's really going on here, you know? <laughs> That's how it looks to me. But, I mean, you know, I'm a natural cynic in that sense. It's, it's been a real revelation to me, uh, uh, Jen, since I started here in the newsroom. Um, I thought I knew everything, 
but uh, being in a newsroom where the, the publication is very focused on active investors, so it's all about investors, right? Yeah. It's all about putting out data and stories that are about what should I invest in or should I, you know, uh, sell, sell my stock or whatever. And I, I'm sitting here in Washington, and the people in New York are companies or markets reporters, and they spend the majority of their time um, during the during the year in earnings season. So, yep. like right now, with the good earnings. Yep. But when they say earnings season, okay, they don't think like you and I say. I can't wait to see the 10K. Okay. <laughs> They are responding as a newsroom <laughs> to the announcements that come over the wire mm. at the end of each quarter Right. Um, that are the company's earnings releases and announcements of here's what my earnings are. And those earnings releases have become dominated by non-GAAP metrics. Yeah, yeah. Okay, such that. You know, such that the SEC had to reel it back in again a couple of years ago and say, you know, you need to actually talk about the gas numbers and you need to talk about them first. Mm-hmm. And you need to not, you know, be going crazy about the non-gap stuff. And also, by the way, here's some non-gap stuff that's not allowed. Again, let me tell you again. <laughs> and so I, you know, it took a while for them to get used to the idea they had an accountant here in Washington, and I would sort of inject myself, and people would be like, oh, who are you? And, you know, I, I think some people were afraid I was sort of stealing their beat, or I was going to try to, you know, do their stories or whatever. But fundamentally, most of the reporters, most of the time is spent putting out 300-word uh, recapitulations of these earnings releases. What they were seeing was that they became such a jumbled, garbled uh, uh, mess, dog's breakfast of, and I actually used that term in an article about a company and they were really pissed off, but they became <laughs> this dog's breakfast of, of non-GAAP metrics that were not uh, consistently presented, that did not reflect you know, uh, how they were adjusted compared to the GAAP numbers, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And they would, you know, occasionally be confused and say, "Well, we don't know which number to report, and we don't know which number that the reporting is compare is comparing to same quarter last year. We don't know which of these EPS numbers is the one that's really the bottom line EPS number." And it, it was no wonder because it had really gotten out of control. Yeah. And so, I started, you know, looking at this stuff and realizing. The market moves on the earnings releases, and the earnings releases three quarters of the year are based on information that's going to come out in a queue that's unaudited. Mm-hmm. And now the one-fourth of the year where I thought, okay, we're all talking about finally the year-end audited numbers, I find out with this research that now 70 to 80% of the earnings releases even at year-end are still produced before the audit is done. Oh, yeah. So the, the issue is that not only is the market moving on unaudited information, but it's moving on unaudited information that's been uh, modified from GAP. Mm-hmm. And that the analysts are not following GAP. They're following 
all these non-GAAP metrics, and they're producing the estimates and the benchmarks and the, and the, and the targets for the companies to hit based on how they think, you know, the company should be reported. And nobody ever goes back to the original GAAP. So, okay. And I'm telling you, it's really, really bust. It's, it's like the Wild West, isn't it? And, yeah, and the question for you is, is uh, because I was talking to a researcher about how to actually sort of reflect this in, in, some, very, in some research ideas, and he said, well, how in the world are we going to collect, like, where the non-GAAP information is, you know, is, is showing up and how it's, you know, being reflected compared to GAAP? Because he goes, we can't scrape that. That's not in a filing. The only filing it's in is the, uh, is the earnings release. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, is are companies using ERPs and are these systems like SAP and Oracle uh, supporting this adjusted accounting approach? That I in would, other words, no. I don't know anymore. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and, and the reason so I said... Okay. So, so okay. So, for years and years and years, in the in the te- from the technology side, we've been talking about what's called fast close, right? In other words, we right, want right. you know, end of month, thirty first of the month. I want the results on the second. I want to be able to communicate to the market on the third or the fourth. Thank you very much. Job done, right? But that work doesn't usually occur inside the ERP because the ERP is a is a transaction system. It's not a reporting system. Okay. So that means you're, you're relying on additional systems uh, to, to get that reporting put together, whether that's business objects, Hyperion. There's a raft of these things. Most likely a damn spreadsheet, if truth be known, yeah? Uh, because we can't, seem right. to, we can't seem to get the, the, the finance people to drop the spreadsheet. I remember so clearly a very forward-thinking CFO turning around to me and saying, you know what, Dan? He said, I love some of this reporting stuff. He said, but you you will have to take the spreadsheet out of my cold, dead hands. I said, are you out of your mind? He said, no, that's the reality. And, and again, most recently, I was talking to a vendor who's trying to talk about uh, analytics and reporting solutions, and I said, you've got to kill the spreadsheet. And they said, but that's not where people are at. I said, it doesn't matter where they're at. You've got to kill it because it's one of the most dangerous pieces of software available. Why? It's not documented. It's not fit for purpose. It was never designed for the for the reasons that people try to use it these days. You know? But that's the, that's the reality out there. So it's not the ERP per se, it's the, it's the reporting systems that sit alongside them. And there are, there are just tons of those. So when your real estate um, example turns around and says, oh, we've well, got a very tight coupling between this, this, and this, I'm betting that they have a proprietary reporting capability that they have agreed with their auditors provides the right answers that can be audited right. and can be reported upon. And, and I, it wouldn't surprise me if there are many, many examples that industry by industry, because again, as you, as you know, every industry may well have to report from a gap perspective, but from an operational perspective, their business models won't necessarily align with that. So they need those operational metrics, whatever they may look like, from, from an industry standpoint, in order to run their businesses as opposed to worrying about gap, right? Now, when you translate that into the way in which the market looks at things, you can readily understand why a financial analyst on, on Wall Street might be much more interested in what the company is saying operationally than it would be from a gap standpoint. But here's the problem, and you know, 
you and I are going to say the same damn thing. At the end of the day, the purpose of the audit is to ensure that things have been bucketed the right way and do reflect what the regulations say and so on and so forth. And operational systems are not designed for that purpose, okay? And so wherever you have any kind of manual intervention, for instance, that's not been covered by a process, then you have absolute... You've got a great green field for error straight away, yeah? That's just one problem out, out, out of many, but that, that's how I certainly view it. Um, I don't know if you see anything similar or whether... You, I mean, you've talked a lot in the past about, you know, when things go ca catastrophically wrong, then there are clear management issues involved. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about something a little bit different, I would suggest. Uh, does, that, does that jibe with what you're yeah. seeing? Yeah. have a regimented, consistent, automated process for the reporting because they want to maintain that wiggle room. Yeah. And so, for example, uh, you know, there, there have been discussions because of this non-gap issue, this, you know, proliferation of all these additional metrics um, and adjusted gap metrics, et cetera, being, you know, relied upon for reporting and relied upon by analysts and the investors, et cetera. There have been discussions about, well, should the auditors be auditing these metrics? Well, that sort of defeats the purpose <laughs> because it? the purpose is that they can, uh, you know, on the fly decide that something has happened within the organization uh, related to an acquisition or related to uh, uh, a, uh, a sale of an asset or related to some, you know, weird accounting thing that they forgot about or didn't know that they were going to have to do, and they come back and say, you know, we want to subtract this from our results so that, you know, you can see the real trend line so that you can see how we really want you to look at our results. This is an anomaly. Right. And, you know, sometimes that's justified, but... More and more, what they're doing is they're just basically taking out things they don't like or that don't tell the story that they want to tell. Mm -hmm. And so they really don't want to sort of standardize these metrics so that they can be audited or have someone coming in and, and before they can report telling them whether or not they can report them. They want the willy-nilly opportunity to create them on the fly depending on what the, what the results produce. Yeah. Yeah. And so you have, but this is sort of a discussion that, you know, they won't admit because then obviously that, that, that admits that they want an opportunity to manipulate uh, to their, to their suit. Yeah. And it's sort of like the elephant in the room that they, that they won't admit. So I don't know what the, I don't know what the solution is, but I, I guess I, I, you know, regardless of everything that's happening in the audit industry, regardless of whatever's happening in the UK, you know, other, other high force together, you know, here in the US, you have the, the you know, uh, perennial, you know, uh, up in arms when something happens, but then everybody forgets about it when nothing else is going on. And they even try to hide, you know, what is going on. Yeah. Nobody reports what is going on. Yeah. Example, the scandal with KPE and, and the PCAOB. And so you have these periodic, you know, 
how do we make audit better? How do we make audit more meaningful? How do we make audit more appreciated, whatever? And the bottom line is, is that it doesn't matter because investors are not paying attention to that information anymore. And to they don't you, want it. And, and to your points, um, when you say standardization, <laughs> quite frankly, that would be impossible. But, I mean, even assuming that you could you know, no, conceptually get past that point, you then, you then into regulation yet again, and that's, right. yeah. It's sort, of like the, it's sort of like the Bitcoin discussion, and, and I, I don't want to get into that because I can imagine you have lots of uh, uh, opinions about that, but when I, he, when I see the trend here that, you know, all of the sort of anarchist, uh, anti-Fed people that were for cryptocurrencies before, they wanted it because they could uh, maintain privacy in their transactions and because they could avoid uh, the intermediaries of the banks. Uh, they could avoid dealing with the banks and the Fed, and they could avoid the fees and all of the hassle that comes with dealing with the intermediaries. Mm. However, in order to make cryptocurrencies uh, sort of, you know, uh, uh, acceptable to everybody and for them to, you know, businesses that are based on them to attract, you know, legitimate capital, they've had to get rid of all of that advantage. Yeah. You now have the banks yeah. in the business and you have the, the governments trying to regulate it and you have, you know, all of the regulatory requirements that say everybody knows if you do a crypto transaction because we want to tax it. And so basically, in the in the in the interest of trying to make it you know socially acceptable and in order for some people to make money off of it, they've lost the advantage that the proponents you know believed in in the beginning. And yeah. it's the same thing with you know the with non gap metrics. If they push it too far, they're going to lose sort of the advantage that the companies want from that kind of reporting, which is they want the ability to report whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, the, but, but we know the problems attached to this. So, uh, you, you know, we know the things that have gone on in the past, and um, I just don't see a, a, a particular. Unfortunately, I don't see a particular end to it. I mean, when you say about what do you do, I mean, the best that I can do as an individual commenting on this stuff is is to say I'm not going to report non-gap earnings, and I don't. I report what's what what I see as being gap earnings, right, or what I'm told are gap earnings, even if they're pre-ordered. Well, is it? As a news outlet, we can't do that. And, and, huh. and actually, again, when I first got here, I was sort of confused because I said, well, if these companies are reporting all this gobbledygook, you know, forget it. Let's just put out the results on a gap basis. And the editors said, well, we can't do that because then we have no comparison because all of the analyst information is on an on gap basis. Yeah, this but is what everybody's following yeah, to determine whether or not something yeah, uh, you can get past that. That, that that's that, that's a nonsense argument. You can get past that. You've got the XBRL files; those can be extracted. You can do it. Oh no, I'm saying as a news organization, though, given you know a set of numbers, mm. and we're saying the gobbledygook, you know, gap stuff. You know, we feel we're being manipulated. I mean, not gap stuff. We're being, we're being manipulated. Let's just put out the gap information. Well, we're not doing our job as journalists because everybody is looking for the non-gap information because they want to compare it with the analyst estimate. <laughs> this is the thing that means the market. But that's ridiculous, though. I mean, look, I mean, you know, the, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Don't you think? Yes, yes. 
it's the python it's the python eating its own tail i swear to god it's 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 insidious it's well, insidious and you know if you ask companies they'll say the analysts make us do it because you know we have to report this information because we need the analysts to support, you know, our stock. If the analysts want to report this information, because investors are looking for more meaningful information. If you ask the analysts, they'll say we need to, you know, create all these estimates because companies want to tell a story, and we need to be able to reflect that story to investors. They're basically pointing at each other. Well, and it really is that it's it's just a it's just a it, it's a it's a cabal. Because they all want to report the information whatever the way they want it, and they all want to move, you know, want the shares to move the market so that investors are happy and everybody's happy and the stock goes up and there's volatility and everybody's buying shares and blah, blah, blah. Well, at the risk of... At the risk of pissing off your, your employers here, Francine, I mean, my approach is very, very simple. First of all, I, I report gap numbers. Yes, I'll mention non-gap numbers, but at the same time... I will refer to um, those on Wall Street as not as analysts, but as anal-ists, right? And other, <laughs> well, yeah, because that's, that's it, right? I mean, I remember having a, a conversation with a, an extremely well-known analyst on the street there um, who wanted to understand a particular company, and I said, okay, fine, we'll sit down, blah, 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 blah. We got about 10 minutes into the conversation. He said, you know what? He said, I don't really want to hear this. I said, well, what's, what's your problem? He said, I'm trying to sell this shit. I said, well, I'm sorry, but I'm telling you what's yeah. going on. <laughs> that, you know, and it, immediately it's like, dude, you know, <laughs> I will tell you whatever you want, but that's not the reality yeah. that I see, at least. I'll tell you that, uh, you know, things have come a long way, but they really have not come a long way. And the things that you and I said, you know, 10 years ago are still valid. Yeah. This is what's kind of sad. Because I, now in my role here, you know, I have to teach new reporters, you know, every year the same thing. Um, well, there's nothing you know, wrong with that, Francine. There's nothing wrong with that, Francine. Well, you know, having having a teaching role is great. Yeah, it, it's actually nice job security here. They uh, It took a little while, like I said, for them to come around mm. to the idea that, you know, how, where I could add value. But once they did... Um, now it's almost like, how did we ever do without this? However, the the the, the you know the the real prize is is you know getting the readers to appreciate and sort of start thinking that this is information that they want because we can preach at them, but if you have active traders and they're just going with the flow, uh, it's you know, it's very hard to move them off that that habit. Okay. Um, well, look, anyway, I mean, we've um, we've we've talked very negatively about this, and I mean, for good reason. Yeah. But but having said that, you, you're obviously coming across what you consider to be really good examples of of uh, well integrated re uh, reporting, both at the K level and out into the public domain. Um, do those companies appear on the face of things to perform? as well or better than those that don't? Or has your research not got that far yet? Well, that's a good, that's a good question. So the story, the story about this is going to come out later today. Okay. There's six companies uh, for the December 31st year end that we've seen so far that have been able to do this stuff 
simultaneously. Only six mm-hmm. out of 174 companies that have reported earnings so far. Okay, mm-hmm. okay only six. Mm-hmm. And so we'll name those companies. Um, but I think actually that's an interesting uh, follow-up is do these companies perform better than the – the, the S&P 500, you know, average or whatever, we should look at their stock performance and see if they're getting a return of this investment in timely and accurate reporting. That's a very good uh, follow-up. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a few companies. you'll see the name. Sorry. Yeah, okay, that's that's cool. You'll I'll look up that. Yeah. So... Uh, nowadays there are only a few companies that I follow to the extent that that I perhaps would have done in the past because uh, too many things to do as always um, and perhaps we should we should look at the, uh, look at a few more but the ones that I do look at the impression that I get is that they are at least they are reporting non-gap of course they are um, but the impression that I get is that, that they are making an effort to at least inform where the differences are arising. They're not necessarily explaining how those differences are arising, and that, that's always an interesting question, but they are an endeavouring to do so. Um, now, you know, maybe that's got to be the compromise. Yeah, there are, some companies, there are some companies, we've written those stories because we write a lot of stories that say, you know, here's this company that's not following the rules and, you know, try to get them in trouble with the SEC, which we have. Uh, but we've also done some stories that say here's some companies that are doing really uh, the right things with this with this issue. So I can send you one of those stories. Um, I will say, you know, like I said, these uh, the six companies that are aligned that are synchronized here at year end, um, the names of those companies will be in the story. One of them uh, is Amazon. Wow. So Amazon gets a lot of you know. A lot of hard times, but one of them is Amazon, uh, and that's a global company. Another one is Northrop Grumman, yep. which is a big defense contractor. Yep. So not an easy thing to do with all the uh, complicated accounting that they have with long-term contracts and stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, there's not a, a Altria. One of the other companies is Altria. So, again, tobacco, I mean, so a variety. It's not one industry. It's it's a variety, and it's about I think these companies making a conscious decision to do this. Now, it may be that they actually, by moving up the K, they cut off the auditor's ability to dig in too deeply or suggest too many adjustments. Right. Right. That's a danger. Okay. But. We, you know, one thing I didn't do is look at these six companies and see, uh, do they, is there the same auditor mm-hmm. um, or anything else in common like that that would sort of say maybe there's, they're not an anomaly even though they're different industries. Maybe there's some other force that's pushing it. The other thing you would know by looking at them is which ERP they use. So, you know, I could tell you that this United Rentals, um, uses a proprietary rental industry, you know, ERP. But mm-hmm. you look at the other companies, it's the uh, 100% SAP. I don't know. No, I, well, I can, um, I can, I know for a fact that Amazon is not. 
Um, I, know okay. that Amazon, I know that Amazon has got a tremendous amount of proprietary stuff in there that they've built up over the years because that provides them with a, a competitive differentiation. Now, it's interesting that you mention Amazon because one of my colleagues wrote something recently where he was talking about the way in which um, the analysts un had understood Amazon's growth. And <laughs> he, he started one paragraph by saying, now for the math challenged among Wall Street analysts and then explain to them what growth is, right? <laughs> <laughs> which, which, which I thought, oh, Kurt, yeah, yeah, you're going to be loved for that one, dude. But you know, this is what we find, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I have to go. Uh, okay. Because I'm still working on the story. All right. But let's do this. Uh, I don't know if you realize, so one of my brothers follows you on uh, 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 Twitter, and he loves you. He thinks you're just the, the greatest thing since sliced bread. He, uh, his name is Anthony McKenna, and he works for Blackboard. Oh, really? Okay. And, yeah. So he just loves, loves, loves you. And he's like, how do you know that guy? How did you meet him? I'm like, oh, no. He goes back. He's my origin story. You know? <laughs> he goes back to this is my origins as a writer. So uh, I just wanted to mention that. And then we should do this like once a month. We should catch up. I, I feel I'm bereft of, you know, current knowledge of what's going on. And I would be glad to tell you what's going on from this perspective. Okay. It would help you. That would be fantastic, uh, uh, Francine. And, and um, I'll get this produced. Uh, I'll wait for your story to come out. And uh, uh, we're Thursday, aren't we? So Friday will be a dead day. Let's put this out as a little bit of a, uh, of a blockbuster on Monday, or at least from my perspective, and wake a few people Today's up. <laughs> Pardon? Today's only Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? Wednesday? I thought it was Thursday. Yeah. Oh. It'll go tomorrow. <laughs> well, sorry, you can be out shortly. I'll send you a link. Okay. And I'll send you a link about uh, the companies that we said are doing uh, the right thing on the non gap stuff. Okay. We'll, we'll have that as well. Brilliant. Then, you know, and then we can talk if you like. Okay. Right? Absolutely, Francine. Enjoy the rest of your day. Been great talking with you. Thanks very much indeed for your time. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye.